Welcome to the Squared Circle Psycho Babble, the subjectively objective podcast for fans of the sports entertainment known as pro wrestling. My name is Michael Valenti. Joining me is Ralph Valenti. Got a lot to talk about here. We got FTR dropping another tag team championship on the same night. Dragon Lee announced he's going to WWE. Tony Khan responds to critics. Roman Reigns possibly splitting those t- uh, undisputed championships. But first, let's talk about the big news I think everybody's talking about for the past week or so. And that is FTR with Dax Harwood. It is a new podcast that, that came out. Episode one was CM Punk. No, CM Punk was not on the show, but he was the topic of discussion. So Ringside News got that one wrong when they said CM Punk is a pairing. Fucking clickbait headline. Nonetheless, it's been brought up many, many times. If they can make it work, there's a lot of money to be made. A lot of money could be made with this. And Dax Hardwood said it on his podcast. If these guys could get together, make amends, make money with this, do it. And of course, this got quoted all over social media. It got on an Instagram post and CM Punk responded to one of those Instagram posts with a one word comment. Duh. Is this confirmation that he's ready to extend the olive branch? Has the olive branch already been extended? Was this a work the whole time? Are we going to see CM Punk back in AEW? A lot of questions to answer here, Ralph. So Ralph, let us know. Are we done with Punk in AEW? No, I, I really don't think we're done with Punk and AEW unless he wants it, unless he's truly adamant that he wants out. He doesn't want to be there. Uh, if everything he said was true and it was not in any way, shape or form will work and he truly feels like the EVPs are children who could not run a target, then, yeah, he's probably going to ask to be let go or have his contract bought out. Something along those lines. If it's where Punk wants to wrestle. And he doesn't want to go back to WWE. I can't see Punk as a guy going to work the indie scene or going to New Japan Pro Wrestling. I think he wants to be in AEW. There's a very big reason why he decided to come out of retirement after however many years it was and chose AEW to be that place. He wants to be there, or at least at one point he wanted to be there. In wrestling, there are a lot of egos. There are a lot of different points of view. There are a lot of people competing for the top spot. And sometimes those things end up clashing, especially when you are some of the top guys in any company. We've always been adamant that in one way or another, these things that you know people tried to pretend weren't going to be uh, evident in AEW would end up showing face. And you see mm-hmm. it more and more. Um, mm-hmm. It's just how the industry is. And, and any, any industry is really like this. There's always competition. Punk is a guy um, that's been just about everywhere. He's done just about anything. He has a ton of experience. Now he's there with a lot of young up-and-comers. So if this is all real, yeah, there's going to be a natural tension there. So long story short, many wrestlers in the past have had their issues and they've been able to put them aside for whatever, you know, has been either best for business or for the sake of just their own careers and progressing within, you know, just the industry overall. So, yeah, I definitely don't think this is the last uh, we're going to see of CM, see of CM Punk in AEW. No, I don't think so either. In fact, I'm going to make a bold prediction. I know we're making our predictions later on in the show, but I got to make this one here. The January 11th show in Los Angeles, that is going to be the most talked about AEW show since All Out 2021. And I'll tell you why. First off, you already have the mystery partner with Soraya coming and everyone is assuming it's Sasha Banks. I think that comes to fruition. What if they bookend this show with Sasha Banks coming out to start the show as Soraya's partner 
and then close it out with the ladder match, match seven of this best of seven series where the elite win the trio's titles. But before they go to black, Punk and FTR come out and stare down the elite. The crowd would be nuts. It would be a great cliffhanger going into, oh my God, what is happening next week? And then starts the build for Revolution. I believe the timetable for CM Punk's injury, if that's even real, would be Revolution. And he'd be set to go. So that would be his first match from this injury, from All Out. And you have a month and a half to build this. Absolutely moneymaker there. And then it leads to eventually CM Punk versus Kenny Omega at some point. I would even say double or nothing. Doesn't have to be for a title or anything, but that's a money match right there. Book it, Tony Khan, right now. January 11th, Punk and FTR back on Dynamite against the Elite to set up that match at Revolution. From a booking standpoint, it certainly makes sense. It's just a matter of, you know, what... What's true and what's not? I think Dax Harwood actually talked about this on his uh, podcast, and he said, you know, he's heard different variations of the story, and he said, and I don't know if he was referring to Meltzer, but he was referring to at least someone in the media who was only sharing one side of the story. So some of it could be true, some of it could be speculation. For all we know, this whole thing could be a work. If it's a work and it means CM Punk is coming back, it will be one of the more elaborate works we've seen in a very, very long time in wrestling. No, I, I, I totally agree. And we asked the question in our babble section, do you see money out of CM Punk if he returns with FTR against the elite? 91% of the vote. This is probably the most one-sided vote we've ever had in a poll section and our babble section. 91% said there's definitely money to be made there. I don't know who the 9% are, but I'm going to venture a guess and think they're either anti-punk anti-FTR or anti-AEW or anti-elite. One of those four groups or a combination of the four. Money's there. It's just a matter of getting these parties together and making it happen. But speaking of FTR and Dax Harwood, they came into the close of 2022 with three titles. They dropped the Ring of Honor titles recently against the Briscoes in that double dog collar match. And now they've dropped yet another title. So they weren't on AEW Dynamite this week. That's because they were defending the AAA Tag Team Championships against Dragon Lee and Dralistico, and FTR drops those AAA Tag Team Championships. So the only Tag Team Championship they have left of the three is the IWGP Tag Team Championship, which they will be defending at Wrestle Kingdom next Wednesday. So by the time they get to Dynamite, if they're there on that January 11th show, They could be without any tag team championships. A lot of people could speculate this is Tony Khan and everyone else booking them to drop their titles as they, you know, run out their contracts and eventually go to WWE or do an indie circuit thing or leave wrestling for a while, whatever you want to speculate there. But is it possible that they're doing this to kind of start something else with FTR within AEW? Where do you think this is going right now with FTR? I mean, if they're going to drop the titles, which, you know, the, the, the AAA tag titles and the New Japan Pro Wrestling IWGP tag titles, those aren't the titles that are going to get you on TV on a weekly basis because there's, there's no feuds that you're going to have with an AEW where you're going to be the focal point while you're carrying those. It's mm-hmm. cool for them to go out and it obviously gives them some prestige, but it's not like they're the AEW Tag Team Championships or the TRIO Tag Team Championship or what a TRIO's Championship, whatever they call those. I think FTR desperately needs to get back in 
the main event picture for AEW. I mean, honestly, I really don't even mind them feuding with the guns before they go and feud with some of the more top tier tag teams in AEW. But I think most people would agree that it seems like for whatever reason, FTR has been put on the back burner for quite some time in AEW. I think they should definitely always be an intricate central part of the tag team division. I don't think they're going to go... Half of me feels like they may want to go back to WWE just for the sake of the same thing Cody did. We went outside WWE. We were successful. We're back. Our stock has certainly risen and that can happen. I just don't, you know, who are they going to feud with? They'll have a feud against the Usos. That will be huge. That will be money-making. That'll be great. But then what? You know, yeah, there's good tag teams, but Imperium. Yes, there's tag teams, but they're not featured the way most tag teams are featured in AEW, uh, I would think. I mean, they're not as put on the forefront like AEW's tag team division is. But WWE, since Triple H has kind of taken over, has put a little bit more emphasis in the tag team division. You know, you have Alpha Academy, you have the Street Profits, the Usos, the New Day, Imperium. There's tag teams there for FTR yeah. to work with. Plus, you have... Other tag teams in NXT that are being worked on. You got the Creed brothers. You got Schism. If if they ever break out of that gimmick and become the Grizzled Young Veterans again, there's tag teams for FTR to work with. But then also there's the possibility of, hey, they're not going back to WWE. Work a few indies here and there. They've been doing it right now while under contract with AEW and have had some big matches in the independent circuit as well and get managed by Bret Hart. So you know, sometimes it's like I could work with Bret Hart in the indies and make just as much money than doing what I'm doing now in AEW. I mean, I feel like there's got to be something here. They can't just be losing and losing and losing. And yes, I understand when you're leaving a promotion or a territory, this is the way you typically go out and you put guys over and you leave with your shoulders on the mat, all that stuff. I understand that. But I feel like FTR, there's a lot of value there that AEW has not tapped into yet. But one contract that's definitely been confirmed going to WWE is one half of the tag team that beat FTR for those AAA tag team championships, and that's Dragon Lee. So after beating FTR on the Noche de Compones, I think I pronounced that right. I'm not good with Spanish. I apologize to our Spanish uh, audience here, but... Dragon Lee goes out and announces that he has signed a contract with WWE and will be going to WWE. I'll admit, I don't have much experience watching Dragon Lee. I've seen him in AEW, obviously. I've seen a few matches in New Japan, especially with Hiromu Takahashi. What I've seen has been very impressive. He's only 27 years old, so definitely on the upside of his career. You know, he has goals to be the next Rey Mysterio. and. If he's got the effort, I think he's got the ring ability to do so. But I think this could be a great signing. I know there's a lot of people that are upset because they'd rather see him in AEW or working in New Japan or AAA or wherever and not go to WWE. But I see this as a good signing for WWE nonetheless. Yeah, absolutely. And I think if I'm correct, he's actually he's not going right to the main roster, right? He's going to NXT. Correct. Let's see what he could do. I'm sure he's going to work NXT for quite some time. I'm sure that more than certain they're going to make him adapt his style. And it's not like he's going to be able to do 
every single thing he's doing right now outside of WWE, but who knows? I mean, look at what Ricochet did. I know a lot of people were critical of Ricochet, especially early in his career in WWE and saying, well, and we said this too, he's not going to transition into a a top guy in the main roster. And I don't know if you'd consider him a top guy, but he did just have a, I think it was a main event against Walter or Gunther and it was Mm -hmm. an amazing match. So yeah, it's exciting. Like you said, 27 years old. Um, so it's not like he's an older guy, an aged guy past his prime. So it'll be interesting to kind of see where he goes from here and what type, what type of success he has in NXT. Right. And for those that have seen plenty of matches of Dragon Lee, I'd love to get some match recommendations in the babble section, whether you want to tweet us at SCPB podcast or hit us up on Instagram at SCPB podcast, or give us a comment on YouTube in the Babel section there. So I'm excited to see what happens. And I think also part of this is going back to the globalization approach that WWE is looking at now under Triple H and having these different performance centers in different locations around the world and obviously Mexico being one of them. So maybe he's the forefront of being part of NXT Mexico. And where does that lead to recruiting more of these luchadors from AAA or even CMLL Does this mean that AEW and AAA are not really working like they were? And now uh, AAA and WWE might have the partnership. A lot of things to consider for that whole situation. But speaking of AEW, let's talk about Tony Khan here. He had a recent interview with the Grapsity podcast uh, through Fightful. And, you know, there's a lot of quotes that have been going around here about his booking and his reaction to the criticism of said booking. And he talks about, you know, some guys that have been missing on TV. And here's what he had to respond with that. He said, you're never going to keep everybody happy. Really, you have to focus on that. You have people that are going to be focused week to week. Eddie, meaning Eddie Kingston, is a big part of that. There are dozens of wrestlers featured on Dynamite and Rampage every week. Throughout those three hours, you see lots of names, but there are dozens of names you aren't seeing every week. and sometimes." They are silent about it. Sometimes there is a reason they're hurt. They're working another project. They're being repackaged or frankly, they're not enough slots in the three hours. I mean, it's a fair, fair point there by Tony Khan. We've said this and you pointed this out early on in the show. There were things that we pointed out that would eventually happen in AEW. And now they're coming to fruition. And that is there's going to be people in the locker room, not happy with their booking. This is what's happening. There are guys that are just not happy with how they're presented in the company. They felt like they could deserve, they deserve more. We know the situation with Miro, whatever you want to believe there. Is it that Miro is rejecting creative ideas? Is it that creative has nothing for him or is he being repackaged? I don't know, but I think this is actually a pretty good answer by Tony Khan. Yeah, I do too. I mean, and the thing that he said that is certainly most true is the fact that there's only so much time on TV. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's kind of part of the problem. And most people, I think, would agree with this. AEW has a lot of talent. They have almost, in my opinion, almost too much talent. Too many guys that have left former promotions that are going there that most people thought were going to go right to the top of the card. There's a handful of them that you can name, whether it's Alistair Black, Miro, whoever they may be, wherever they may have come from. There's a lot of people that have gone there where you're like, okay, that's an upper mid-carder or a mid-carder, somebody that's got a lot of talent that I could see as a world champion. Another thing we've always kind of said on this show is, you know, there's only so many spots at the top. There's one heavyweight champion. 
there's one TNT champion in AEW. Uh, you look at the AT, uh, TNT championship title picture right now, you got Wardlow, who was a guy that was super over at one point, and, you know, to Tony's, Tony's point here, or maybe something that kind of works against the point he's trying to make here is the fact that Wardlow was super over, and it was, you know, for quite some time, it felt like he was one of those guys that got put on the back burner. Um, but you look at that TNT title picture, and you got Wardlow, Samoa Joe, Darby Allen now. So those are three guys right there that you know you have to invest TV mm-hmm. time in and uh, efforts to write storylines surrounding that title and surrounding those people. And that's good because they're all great. But then there's all those other people that you don't have time to kind of invest in. So, yeah, he's certainly right. You're not going to please everybody. Uh, that's a realistic outlook. And uh, yeah, I think it's it's definitely true. There's only so much time on TV to push all of these people. Some of these guys feel like, oh, I could bring more value. I think I should be put on the card. I should be on TV more. But sometimes, you know, the ratings dictate who gets on TV more. If you're drawing, you're going to be on TV. If you're not drawing, sorry, you're going to take a back seat. You're going to get put yeah. on Rampage or on Dark or Dark Elevation because the segments that you're on are not drawing viewers. And That could just be as simple as that. And sometimes there are these disconnects between what is the the fan reaction and what the ratings are. It just, it's a weird phenomenon, but it does happen sometimes because the more passionate fan is going to buy the ticket. The more passionate fan is going to the shows and buying the merch and stuff like that. Whereas the quote unquote casual fan is only watching. The casual fan might be like, eh, I'm not into Mero. Eh. I'm not into Lance Archer. Eh, I'm not into Brian Cage. I all about Lance eh, Archer. I'm not into Orange Cassidy. But the crowd loves those guys and will eat up anything they do in the ring or whatever promo segment. If, it, if you get the crowd and the ratings and the merch and all that stuff, you're going to get the TV time. That's why we see a Moxley. That's why we see a Jericho. That's why we see an MJF. And sometimes there are those where Tony Khan has to do some experimenting on the fly because it's not like you can test with a house show because AEW doesn't do house shows. So he's got to put some guys on Rampage or put some guys on Dynamite on these, you know, one-off segments to see if there's a, a pulse there. As a booker, Tony Khan is not perfect and neither are any other booker that has worked in any wrestling promotion and anybody that sits behind a microphone can easily go, Oh, this guy needs to be on TV more. This guy needs to be on TV more. That woman, that tag team, so on and so forth. But they're the ones that have a lot more information than we ever dreamed of having that they can assess the situation a lot better. So Tony Khan also was asked about other criticisms with his booking, considering matches that are put on TV with quote unquote, no stories into them. So here is his answer for that. He says the worst criticism, the fakest criticism was this criticism of, I don't want to say it because people would make it a quote. They'll pull it out of things. You say a portion of a quote within a quote, but people will question if there are storylines in AEW. I'm like, are you shitting me? There's so many in every show out of five, six matches in a show. Most of them will have those hooks. I got to say on next week's show, so this was for this past week's Dynamite, looking at it, every match will have a story going into Dynamite. And there will be weeks where it's a match or two wrestlers are wrestling each other for the first time. Maybe it's going to lead somewhere for one time or for both of them together separately. 
Watch it and find out. That's the thing. I think everyone's trying to call stuff in advance is good in terms of how it keeps people watching and wrestling, which is great. I actually think he's making a lot of sense here because I think fans are quick to the, oh, there's no storyline. There's no reason for this match. There's no reason for that match. And then it comes to find out a couple weeks down the line, it actually made sense. You just have to kind of wait and see what happens. A great point in this is one, Jericho and Action Andretti, probably going into that going, why are we having this match? Jericho's just getting a win. And now here we are three weeks later and there's pretty much a program between Jericho, Ricky Starks, and Action Andretti. And then the other one is last week, you had John Moxley and Darius Martin. Probably figuring that's a squash match. Why is Martin wrestling Moxley? Then you see the Battle Royal on Rampage, which Top Flight and AR Fox won. Then you have Top Flight versus Claudio and Moxley. So it might be no reason to someone not really paying attention, but the dots were connected there. But then there are times, and I'll admit this, for example, you had Moxley versus Kanosuke Takeshita on Rampage. Haven't really seen a follow-up to Takeshita. Moxley kind of went his own thing and started this mini feud with Top Flight. Maybe that's an example of wrestlers just going out there and competing and just, you know, being the best that they can be. Occasionally, that's fine. You do that too much, though, you alienate a subset of your audience because it's like it's American television at the end of the day. They want stories. That's why they watch television. They need something to gravitate towards, and a story will always do that. Yeah, you want people to be invested in your program. And I think the point in anybody that's criticizing Tony for not having storylines or maybe even having storylines, but not well put together storylines in some people's opinion is the fact that they want they want to be invested in something. Mm -hmm. You know, you can have Moxley go out there and wrestle Eddie Kingston without a storyline. It'll be a good match, but it's for some people. It may just be like, all right, well, why are they having this match? You know, so I think that's where the criticism comes from. It's like, okay, because we have seen it in AEW sometimes. It's like, okay, we're going to get this guy from from some other promotion. We're going to bring him in. He's going to go against our top guy. And we don't see those guys uh, hardly ever again unless it's time for them to come back to AEW and have another one-off match. So those things have certainly happened in AEW. And that's why I think sometimes people are critical, and myself included sometimes, we say, You know, sometimes AEW seems like it's for a more hardcore fan base and you get the fans that are like, oh, well, you can Google who that is and know their accomplishments. And it's like, yeah, but the point is I'm watching AEW, any promotion, any program, you it's their job to explain the story to me. It's their job to persuade me to tune in, you know, things like that. So, again, another well, well grounded, well thought out uh, response from Tony. I still think the criticism of of uh, the way they book in some cases is certainly fair, though. Yeah, I wouldn't call it fake criticism. There is definitely a fair criticism at times. I think there are definitely times where fans jump the gun. I know you bring up the example of Mance Warner all the time, but they actually explain that one where he won this this battle royal at an indie show. I think it was Ric Flair's last match. They did a video package for it. He had his match and that was it. That was it. He lost and that was it. There's not going to be a follow-up to it. So 
not expecting much there. But I think also, I think another, some might call a random match was Jericho versus Tomohiro Ishii for the Ring of Honor Championship. Explained that at the pay-per-view, at a backstage interview, Orange Cassidy's like, I got a buddy. Ishii wants to challenge you. Challenge accepted. Done. That's all I need. I don't need this long, elaborated story. And I know last week I talked about the women's division and talked about feuds and rivalries. And I went on this whole, you can't just do match, 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 kind of deal. But I think some people misinterpreted what I was saying there. I don't mean you can't build stories off just matches. You just can't do off random matches. You know, you can't just have Penelope Ford versus the bunny one week. And then next week it's Ruby Soho versus Willow Nightingale and expect the division to be better. It was great that they had this grudge match for the tag team, you know, the tag team grudge match with Ruby and Willow versus Ty and Anna Jay. Cause they built that story for a while and that's great. And that's part of the rivalry. You have Jamie Hayter having this great match with Sheeta. The follow-up is going to be on Rampage. I probably wouldn't have done that, but it's trying to get people to watch Rampage. And so far, the changes that Tony Khan has made the last three weeks have actually worked ratings-wise. They have had their best rating since April, so he's doing something right. And maybe putting Jamie Hayter there, I think, might be better off because we don't really see many promos from her. So if this is a promo segment, try it on Rampage first. I'm all fine with that. But if it's where they just did that match of her and Sheeta with no follow-up whatsoever, you're falling that same trap again, I think. And especially with the women's division, you know, you could have two great women wrestlers go out there and have a match. And it's kind of like, well, what, what does that really do for the women's division? Because when you look at it, okay, when you're telling a story with trying to either establish uh, Jamie Hayter, or if you're going to try to build tension between her and Britt Baker at some point, you know, you, you want that to build up over the course of a couple of weeks, I would hope. And then, you know, you're going to have uh, the attention that you get from having them go out there and have that good match. So, mm-hmm. you know, going out there and having just a match for the sake of having a match, it can work, doesn't always work. And there's times where, you know, you have this long, elaborate story and the match just stinks. You know, that can happen too. Let's close out our news little segment here with some WWE news. They were actually kind of quiet this week in the news. I didn't really see much there, but there is this rumor circulating that started with wrestlingnews.co that the plans for WrestleMania, the two night main event, night one is going to be Seth Rollins versus either Drew McIntyre or Cody Rhodes for the WWE championship. Night two is going to be either The Rock or Cody Rhodes against Roman Reigns, depending on if they could get The Rock for WrestleMania. And apparently he's still not confirmed. And they want to get that set before Royal Rumble so they could start the storyline and build whatever they need to for WrestleMania 39. I put it to our Babel section. And I asked, should WWE split the undisputed WWE Universal Championship before WrestleMania? 54% said yes. 54% said they should split it before WrestleMania. And I got to ask, how do you split them before WrestleMania? Are you just going to have Roman? My question isn't so much how, is why. 
Why? Well, I, yeah, I mean, that too. if you if you want to do if you're strictly doing this because you want a main event for both nights, if Roman's not because the other rumor was not too long ago, Roman was going to defend on both nights. If you're just doing this for the sake of having two championship main events for starters, I don't think you need to do that. And second of all, I, I, I just. Why not have the women's Roman, championship be the main event night one? You could do that, too. And Roman carrying these titles for this long. I just once he loses. That winning streak, that mystique, everything that comes with that gets tarnished a little bit. So let's assume Seth beats him, right? And mm-hmm. I, I'd be okay with it, but if he wins both titles, but if he beats him for one title, Cody comes back, wins the Rumble, goes to face him at Royal Rumble. That match in my mind, and that could just be me, doesn't have the same mystique around it. It doesn't have the same special feeling because... We just saw Roman look vulnerable. He lost. He got pinned. He lost the title to somebody. The winning streak is over. So yeah, it'll still mean something, but it means more for the guy, for the first person to beat him mm-hmm. for both titles. In my now, opinion. hold on. You, you, you brought up Roman lost because he, he got pinned. What if they do this? What if Adam Pierce comes up on raw and says, Roman, you have not allowed enough raw competitors to challenge you for the championships because I think the last raw challenger was Riddle back in what? Yeah, probably. That, that June or July? Ever since then, it's been only SmackDown wrestlers. So maybe Adam Pearce goes on and says, Roman, you must allow a raw competitor to challenge for the title and you're going to do that by entering the Royal Rumble and the WWE Championships on the line, right? Then you have Roman Reigns get eliminated maybe inadvertently by Sami Zayn or something, right? He loses the match, but he he doesn't get pinned to lose it. And thus, the winner is Seth Rollins or Cody Rhodes. And then that sets up Seth and Cody night one, and then you can have Roman come out, do his thing about Sammy, defend the Universal Championship in Montreal Elimination Chamber. Roman beats him. The Rock comes out, close the graphics there, sets up the match of WrestleMania Night 2. That's totally a possibility you could do with that. The only problem is, with the whole story that I just presented, though, one, do you want Roman to lose the title in a Royal Rumble match? And two, if the plan is not going to involve The Rock, and Drew McIntyre is now challenging Seth Rollins. Drew's on Raw. Uh, Drew's on SmackDown. So how do you get him to cross over? And yeah. I mean, that's as easy. Like you could just have him wild card or whatever. But still, like the more you talk about the logistics of this, the more this makes no sense for this report. Yeah, and I would much rather, in my opinion, have them. If you're gonna split the titles, if that's the intent, do it after WrestleMania. You mm-hmm. could do it a number of different ways. I I just hate when they kind of muddy the waters going into WrestleMania season, uh, especially after now. Like you had all this time, all this time to take a title off of Roman, knowing that okay, we if if the intent was we don't want him carrying both titles into WrestleMania, you had all this time to to to, to get a title off of him. Doing it this close to WrestleMania again, it just, in my opinion, it, it kind of diminishes the value of those titles or his title reign. So. I hope this yeah. isn't true, but I guess right. we'll see soon. 
we'll see soon enough. And I'm sure the babble section has plenty of ideas for this. So let us know on Twitter at SCPB podcast. Let us know in the comment section. Let us know on Instagram too at SCPB podcast. We close out a year. We head into a new one, which means predictions for 2023 for AEW and WWE. I'll let you start, Ralph. What is your first prediction for 2023 with either AEW or WWE or combination? My first one, and we already talked about it, CM Punk is going to return to AEW. I know that may not be the most shocking of predictions, but I mean, some might consider that shocking given how adamant the reports were. Oh, he wants his release or negotiating a buyout. I think he's coming back. And I think that's what's best for AEW. Yeah, I definitely could see that happening. I already said January 11th is when he makes his return, comes out with FTR, stare down with the elite, starts the the story for Revolution Trios Championship match, CM FTR versus the elite. I'm going to piggyback off of that uh, because there's a lot of rumors of FTR leaving AEW to go to either WWE or work the indies. My prediction is they will stay in AEW and they will win the AEW Tag Team Championships. I think all these losses right now are to create sympathy for them, especially when this started the week that I was released that the Usos passed them to top the PWI 100 tag teams list. Why would Tony Khan book FTR to lose two t- championship matches the week that list came out unless he has bigger plans for them? Maybe that's just me being optimistic. But I definitely see them coming out of this feud with the guns beating them and then starting their road to redemption. And they are going to win those AEW Tag Team Championships at some point in 2023. Another one that I have for AEW that I'm going to call out there, I think a lot of people have speculated this. They wanted this to happen in 2022, but unfortunately it did not happen. But I definitely see a match. Maybe it happens at Forbidden Door, but I say Brian Danielson will face Kazuchika Okada in a singles match in 2023. I don't know if it's in New Japan. I don't know if it's in AEW or if it happens at Forbidden Door 2. But nonetheless, I see that match definitely happening. And it will be at least six stars on the Meltzer scale. Oh, for sure. Before (laughs) they even make their entrances. (laughs) Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. But what do you have for another prediction, Ralph? I am going to go with a younger up-and-comer, somebody who I think is doing a real good job, especially on Raw. A lot of people wrote off. He's having a really good run right now, and I think it's going to continue into 2023. I think Austin Theory will win the heavyweight championship in WWE in 2023. Wow. Once they get those belts off Roman, you know, assuming that happens at WrestleMania, you've got a, 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 a well, not a full year, but you've got, let's say, eight months. Cody's going to carry those titles. Seth could be somebody that wins. Uh, they're good. Obviously, Raw is starving for for just top tier talent or a championship if they decide to split the title. So, there's in my mind, there's a short list of guys that are better and hotter as far as like just how quickly they've been able to adapt to what the WWE likes out of the people in their system. I think 2023 is his year where where he's really going to cement himself as one of the top tier guys of the new generation to come. And then there will, the fans will turn on him being force-fed by, by WWE. He's the chosen one. <laughs> LOL, Austin Theory wins. And go back to this like we had with Roman, like we had with Cena. And the, the tradition continues with these chosen ones. 
I could definitely see Austin Theory winning. I probably would say it's going to be more like September, October, that area, maybe even Survivor Series, depending on how they book, you know, Survivor Series next year. I mean, I don't want those titles split ever. I really don't. Have one champion that just goes on both shows. That's the problem. You know, if Roman's going to drop the titles, drop it to someone who's willing to do both Raw and SmackDown. Cody's a guy that probably will. Seth's a guy that probably will. Drew McIntyre's a guy that probably will. Having Roman just being on SmackDown and like once every three months on Raw defeats the purpose of unifying those titles. But I will stick with WWE for my next prediction. And this one, probably not much of a bold prediction, but I'll call it one nonetheless. I think Gunther surpasses the honky tonk man for the longest intercontinental championship reign. And, you know, you look at the reign of the honky tonk man and you're like, well, who did he beat? How did he get to 454 days or whatever the, the, the number is? He was a heel. He yeah. backed out of a lot of matches, got himself counted out or disqualified. He won with heelish tactics. Gunther, while it is a heel, will win a lot of those matches clean. We'll have a great match with whoever, you know, whether it's Sheamus or Ricochet or name it. He'll have a great match with them. And it definitely will be a championship reign. People will talk about from generations to generations to come. I definitely see Gunther surpassing the hockey talk man this year. And he's half, he's almost halfway there. I think he just surpassed 200 days. So he's just got to make it those last 200 days was probably like money in the bank ish time, I think would get him to that point. But I see it happening unless Brock Lesnar's coming and he's challenging Gunther for the IC title. And I don't think so. That that was a rumor Gunther versus yeah. uh, Brock Lesnar. Yeah. I would love to see that match, but Gunther's got to go over. I agree. I agree. All right. Your final prediction, Ralph. My final prediction. I think Sasha Banks is going to, Return to WWE. What? I don't think she's going to AEW. She's going to do her thing outside of AEW or outside of uh, WWE. She's going to compete in New Japan Pro Wrestling, do whatever she's going to do. I just think for everything she's accomplished, there's a lot that WWE has to offer her, certainly more than just money. Main events at WrestleMania in front of 80,000 people. All the different things that they can offer her in terms of branding and stuff like that. And I know that's a, a cliche thing because, oh, they only let you do so much. But if she goes to AEW, she's going to have her name and her legacy, which is already cemented. But she really, really is going to be one of the people that's going to be expected to kind of elevate that women's division. Can she do it? Yes. Does she have to do it in this point in her career? Not really. And I don't know if she wants to do that. She likes. I think she likes being the center of attention. I think she, I wouldn't say she lives her <laughs> if, gimmick. If, like but if Rick she goes Flair. to AEW, she probably would be the center of attention because she probably, she instantly is the top star in the women's For division. What? No, no discredit Once. to Jade or Britt or Soraya. She's easily the top dog in the women's division. In AEW. She goes there. She doesn't but have to deal with Ronda Rousey more, or Becky Lynch more? or Charlotte Flair. And this is my point. Does it mean more to be the top dog in AEW? in the women's division or does it mean more to be one of the top women in WWE and main event WrestleManias against, you know, the likes of Bianca Belair. She can go there. And I said this before, she'll feud with some of the best. She can wrestle, you know, Jade, she can go and she can wrestle Britt Baker. Once those things occur, it's kind of like, okay, now what? 
The weakest point of AEW is the women's division. If she goes there, she's going to be expected to elevate it. Just her walking in the door, she elevates it. But I, I'm sorry, I just don't trust Tony Khan to manage a superstar of that level effectively week in and week out to where she'll feel as special as she will on day one. WWE fumbled the ball with her, no doubt about it. But I would love to see what a Triple H can do with her under his wing, under his reign, and not so much the Vince McMahon era. So is she a surprise entrant in the Rumble then? And does she win the Royal Rumble? No, Charlotte's winning the Rumble. Charlotte's winning the Rumble. Yeah. So who is she? So she's going to challenge Ronda at WrestleMania? I, I don't. I think anybody could challenge Ronda at this point, and the fans would be hopeful and happy if she lost. That's true. <laughs> what? If they could just find a more creative way than a gauntlet match to figure out who the number one contender is, I'd be happy at this point. But all right, my Your last final predi- prediction is what Mandy will be in the rumble. No, no. My, my last prediction, I'm sure, you know, people who follow this podcast long enough. Yes. I work in television. So I'm going to make a TV type prediction here. As we get to the end of these TV deals with AEW and WWE, a lot of speculation Where's SmackDown going to go? Where's Raw going to go? Where's Dynamite and Rampage going to go? I will say this. If it is announced in 2023 that new TV deals are done for AEW or WWE, these deals will include the shows to be on a streaming platform. So when the new deals start, Raw and or SmackDown will be on Peacock. AEW Dynamite and or Rampage will be on HBO Max or something alike there. Anybody that follows the TV industry knows we are getting away from cable and linear television and into the streaming platforms. More people are watching streaming than ever before. It is the number one way people consume content now in 2022, heading into 2023. And the only people that talk about total viewership when it comes to live and same day DVR numbers are people in the 50 plus demo, i.e. Eric Bischoff, i.e. Jim Cornette, i.e. Vince Russo, that can't figure out that this streaming thing is a much bigger part of the problem with these ratings than they really want to admit. They just think, oh, the product sucks. This is why the ratings suck. No. Because streaming doesn't count, and that's where people are watching, especially the younger audience. If the NFL is taking Thursday Night Football off of Fox and moving it to Amazon Prime Video and then taking their Sunday ticket off of DirecTV to YouTube TV, follow the trends, folks, and don't count it as a downgrade. Because I know some people will say, oh, it's a downgrade because they're going to Peacock or a downgrade because they're going to HBO Max. They're not on cable anymore because they couldn't get the cable deal. No, that is the bold move. That is the right move. They're going to be on a streaming service, their next TV deal. I'll be watching. (laughs) (laughs) The problem with HBO Max, the problem is there's no live way to watch television yet. And I think they're doing soccer soon. I think they're trying to test with soccer. So if they get that, then you got possibly AEW pay-per-views on HBO Max. Dynamites, Rampage, and if they want to put the the back catalog on HBO Max, that'll be part of the TV deal too. And if they could do that, AEW is going to make a huge, huge increase in their TV deal too compared to what they have now. So definitely see that happening. But 
It's the start of 2023. We wish everybody a happy new year. But if you have some predictions for either AEW or WWE, let us know in the comments. Tweet us at SCPB Podcast or send us a DM at Instagram at SCPB Podcast for our Babble section. And don't forget, to, don't forget to give us a five-star review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or watching on Spotify. We'll see you on the next episode of the Squared Circle Cycle Babble.